When the world embarked on global polio eradication, many public health experts believed that vaccination against polio either would continue to evolve with strengthening of routine immunization or might be stopped by countries when they no longer had circulating wild-type virus. But the detection of circulating vaccine-derived poliovirus convinced them that oral poliovirus vaccination had to be stopped in order to ensure a polio-free world after eradication. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Mark Palanch, Director of the Division of Viral Diseases at the National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. Dr. Palanch has written a perspective article about ending the use of oral poliovirus vaccine. Dr. Planch, what was the response when outbreaks of circulating vaccine-derived poliovirus were first detected? How did that change the eradication strategy at the time? At the very beginning, there was actually disbelief that these types of outbreaks were occurring. It was based upon epidemiologically, clearly, poliomyelitis outbreaks But the viruses that were detected were clearly related to the vaccine strain and not the wild viruses. So the recognition that the wild virus was not the only source of outbreaks was something that took a while to be recognized and accepted. You write in your article that the coordinated global switch from the trivalent poliovirus vaccine to the bivalent version was unprecedented. So who was part of that effort and what kind of planning was involved to make that happen on such a coordinated level? With the recognition more than 15 years ago that at some point the oral vaccine would have to be discontinued, it became a matter of when and how to do that discontinuation. At point in the last five years, it was discussed that maybe we could do elimination of the type 2 component first because there had been no detection of wild virus type 2 globally for more than a decade. So the machinery involved involved not only getting a new vaccine licensed and approved in all of the countries, but also the changes in surveillance with an emphasis then on detecting any residual poliovirus type 2. In a research article published in the journal, Blake and colleagues analyzed surveillance data from just after the switch that you're talking about. What do their findings suggest about the effect of removing the type 2 component? There are two major effects that are highlighted. One is the detection of circulation of these vaccine-derived polioviruses that had begun prior to the switch. This was expected because of the experience over the decades of the occurrence of these vaccine-derived viruses. The second part was to make sure that if in responding to any of these outbreaks using monovalent OPV2, that the vaccine virus that was introduced would also disappear after its use. So surveillance was an important part of detecting these virus outbreaks in the first place, but also making sure that the vaccine virus used for controlling those outbreaks also disappeared. And this paper highlights the data uh, immediately after the switch and the systems that are in place to continue this monitoring. You mentioned in your article that universal introduction of a single dose of inactivated poliovirus vaccine 
hasn't brought about the high coverage that was originally hoped for, in part because there's a global supply shortage. Is that going to be an issue going forward, do you think? And if so, what can we do to get around it? The limited coverage is really related immediately to the shortage of IPV uh, supply globally. WHO and UNICEF in particular have been working with the manufacturers to work on the plans around using the available supply most effectively. Continued efforts to expand the supply have been occurring And it is expected that in the next year or so, most of these shortages will have been removed from the world. The second part, though, is that there is still inherently in many countries in sub-Saharan Africa inherent weakness in the routine immunization program that also limits effective high coverage with IPV. Can you tell us a bit about the other elements of what you call the polio endgame in your article? Is that issue of country-to-country coverage one of the things that has to be addressed? There are still many issues that we have to address related to the stopping of the other two components of oral polio vaccine. There are the vaccine-derived poliovirus outbreaks that need to be controlled, and there are issues with chronic infections with polio among individuals who have immune deficiencies. These chronic excretors do not have any effective treatment that can stop the shedding of polio virus. This has led to the work to develop antivirals to stop these infections. The intent also is that once the natural sources of polio virus have been eliminated, that the viruses that are present in laboratories or vaccine manufacturers will also need to be contained effectively to eliminate the risk of reintroduction into the population. So it makes it so that there are several factors that need to be addressed in terms of this endgame strategy. Finally, you talk in your article about the need for a better vaccine that doesn't carry this risk of vaccine-derived virus. Where are we in the process of developing such a vaccine? At the moment, we are using monovalent OPV to control these outbreaks. In the future, the population immunity to the polio will be declining, Yet, we will always have at least some risk, even if it is very low, of outbreaks being detected or occurring in the future. But with the higher risk in the population due to low immunity, there is a greater risk of generating new vaccine-derived outbreaks. The need for a new vaccine is to still have a tool available to the global program to respond to these outbreaks effectively without the equivalent risk of the current monovalent OPV. There are several projects in the works that are both creating new live oral vaccines, but not with the same properties of reversion and risk of outbreak, as well as other ways to improve the mucosal immunity of inactivated vaccines to protect from infection and shedding of virus should that occur. Thank you, Dr. Palanch.